Hello and welcome to the APIs You Won't Hate podcast. My name is Mike Bifulco. I'm here chatting with my good friend, Phil Sturgeon. Phil, how are you today? Hey, I am doing pretty well. I've got a day off from planting trees and I'm relaxing. How are you doing? Oh yeah, that sounds lovely. I uh, have a week off right now, actually, for reasons that I'm sure we'll get into. And it is pouring rain and colder than anticipated. So I am like bundled up in my spare room, just sipping a cup of coffee and, and having a nice quiet morning to myself. It's a good feeling, certainly. Fantastic. Tell me more about your week off. What's going on? Yeah, so uh, I'm uh, unemployed. I, I left my job uh, last week. So we don't talk about it a ton on the show. We kind of make reference to it quite a bit, but I was working as a uh, manager and tech lead as in the developer relations area at Google, uh, specifically working on Google Assistant. I was working on that team since November of 2020. So we'll, we'll call it generously a year and a half. Uh, and I put in my resignation a couple weeks ago, and, and right now I'm sort of in a week off in between jobs. So as we record, at least next Monday, I will be uh, starting my new position as a developer advocate working at Stripe, which is cool. Stripe is a product that I've been using for years and years at this point, and uh, we even use for APIs you won't hate here and there. I would imagine most of the folks who are developer sort of savvy have probably heard of Stripe on some level, but essentially a series of tools, protocols, APIs, and products that help people create commerce on the internet. So uh, make payments, take payments, set up accounts for um, SaaS products that use any sort of payment processing across the world. Um, They service a ton of countries and a ton of currencies and all kinds of stuff. And uh, once upon a time, I built a a startup company built completely on top of uh, Stripe APIs with a bunch of other things that sort of sewed together logic to uh, help co-working spaces run their businesses. That's where this all started years and years ago when I was building that uh, and sort of worked through and managed some relationships with the folks that I was working with there. And actually kind of the funny story is that on the team that I'm being hired into, the, the, the uh, guy who hired me uh, was a developer advocate in, I'm going to guess 2017 or 2018 when he started. And I was the first developer he ever talked to. And weirdly enough, he has a recording of our first conversation because it was something that we were, um, I was trying to give him some some feedback for uh, executives at Stripe to go and change things that I needed at the time. So recently he shared like a little clip with me of him and I talking <laughs> in 2018. It was a strange Who just keeps throwback. that lying around? Who just keeps like random recordings of people? I don't record every call that I've ever been on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A, a very weird confluence of things. And I'll have to remember to like, uh, you know, it, as someone who records a fair bit of my conversations, case in point here, I should watch what I say for, for future Mike's sake, certainly. But yeah, I don't know, man. The, the um, what do they say? The arc of history is long and strange and all that. And yeah, uh, it's, it's cool to see this coming around. And I'm really excited about this change. That's pretty cool. I mean, Stripe is a great company. I mean, well, I don't know too much about the company. I, I don't know anything about inside it. Hopefully it's a great company. But like, it's a great product and service. Like it comes up in conversation for so many different reasons. Like when people are asking for an example of like a really good SDK for an API, Stripe, you know, what's a really good API, Stripe, what's a really good um, API yeah. documentation and like and, and developer experience, Stripe. Um, who's a company that's doing a huge amount to try and like solve the climate crisis a little bit? Well, Stripe. <laughs> um, I've got a friend in, you know, a friendly company in the world of reforestation in the UK, um, Future Forest Company. They're doing similar stuff to us. And and they've got like, I don't know, uh, 
millions of, of, of dollars off of uh, Stripe so that they can go and um, spread biochar and create biochar to lock up carbon around their bits of land. So they're, they're funding amazing projects all over the place with their like 1% of your transactions can go to good projects. And they're actually giving it to good projects because I know the projects that are receiving the money. And uh, yeah, everything about it seems great. So do you know what you're going to be doing for them yet? Or got any any hints? Yeah, so uh, it's a little bit open-ended. One of the interesting things about Stripe is that all of their APIs are sort of polyglot by nature. So if you pull up the docs for Stripe, you'll see for any sort of given API, they're listed. They list from like a, just a curl statement. So you can go and send off an HTTP request yourself. Uh, they have probably Java and Ruby and JavaScript and C Sharp and all sorts of documentation for all their APIs. The, the developer advocacy team is relatively small right now, given the sort of scale of the products that the company builds. Uh, so I will be supporting sort of all of those things. I'd imagine I will be focusing on maybe a specific set of uh, languages or platforms or frameworks or however you want to look at that. But generally speaking, uh, sort of North American companies of any size will, will be kind of the goal to help uh, grow and scale. It's an interesting company in that their developer advocacy organization isn't exactly like technical support, uh, but it is definitely more on the side of educate and inspire. And so I will be working to create content to show off uh, some of the things that, that you can do with Stripe to collect feedback from developers to sort of complete the circle of communication between uh, the end user developer and the product team building APIs and that sort of a thing. One of the very interesting things about Stripe, and maybe one of the things I love the most, is that they really do make bets on startup companies uh, from any size sort of eventually becoming bigger and, and uh, more exciting. So as I understand it, at least, I will be working with some you know, startup groups to make sure that uh, we're looking after the little guy just as much as giant enterprise companies. And I think that that's a really important thing. You know, especially as we get into a world that's more distributed and people are making software to change their lives from from sort of any little hovel uh, anywhere in the world that has an internet connection. I love that idea. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Just got to point out, it's, it's little person, not little guy. That's um, that's gendered language and we don't accept Yeah, th- thank you. No, I'm, I'm into <laughs> that. Thanks for uh, holding up the mirror to me there. <laughs> no, that sounds really fun, though. Yeah, I'm I'm really stoked that like one one day the world might open up a bit and I might get to like go to some interesting places and meet people in real life. That's weirdly something could that happen. I never... Could happen. It's one yeah. possible outcome. I don't it's know. right. <laughs> I try not to think about the other forks in the road at this point. Yeah, I, well, I worked the... at Google for a year and a half and I literally never met any of my colleagues. <laughs> it's That's an odd bizarre. experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, even at stoplight, like I met them a little bit before the world went to crap. Um, <laughs> But I, um, I I kind of met them all and then shoved off cycling around Europe for a year. And then by the time I was done with that, the world had gone to crap and it was all COVID. So I never really got to meet too many of them. I, I mean, I saw the Polish team a bunch of times because every time my bike route took me through Poland, I'd just swing by um, Gdansk and, um, and Poznan sure. and just like hang out with them. And um, I was like, you know, meeting or you know, staying at their houses because I was swinging by so much. They were like, ah, you come on, come on over. You're part of the family. But uh, yeah, like I met the Americans entirely through a screen, mostly. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's a strange feeling, and it's also kind of a good thing. Like I, I'm I'm uh, the first to tell you that I support a remote 
um, sort of company culture and remote remote work. That's something that I've done with with a great degree of success. And in part of part of the process of getting hired into this role, they asked me where I wanted to work, and it was just never an issue that I said, "Hey, I'm going to work remotely from here in North Carolina." It was it was barely a part of the conversation. They just wanted to know what I could do and what I was interested in working on and how we could work together. And that's to me at least a good leading indicator of how things will go. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I also do have colleagues on on the small team I'm on. I think it's about 10 people that are sort of all over the world. So uh, not that I think I'll bump into, uh, you know, my colleagues who work in Japan in the U.S. at any point, but uh, it's cool that they're there and it's cool that this sort of distributed team has a, a way to uh, reach the world and also each other uh, in, in this uh, in a much modern way, I guess, or, or in a sufficiently modern way, right? Like, I, yeah. I don't think we all need to be co-located in a stuffy office to make eureka moments happen. For sure. Just breathing in everyone's farts and COVID all day long. Love it. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> hey, there's an episode title right there. <laughs> uh, moving on. Yeah. What is it? What is it we're talking about today? Yeah. Well, actually, Phil, before we do that, let's uh, take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode of APIs You Won't Hate is brought to you by Treble. Treble is an API management platform that helps developers and companies understand their APIs better, and in the process saves a lot of time and money. What started out as a solution for their own problems has grown into a platform that's processing more than 9 million API requests a month. Treble features real-time API monitoring, automatically generated documentation, logging and error tracking, API analytics, and one-click API testing. To learn more about Treble, go to treble.com slash APIs you love. That's treble, T-R-E-B-L-L-E dot com slash APIs you love. Thank you so much to Treble for sponsoring APIs you won't hate. This episode of APIs you won't hate is brought to you by Lob. Lob is a group of passionate people working towards their vision of increasing connectivity between the offline and online worlds. They help developers send postcards, letters, and checks as easily as email through RESTful APIs. Lob is looking for engineers at all levels interested in joining a successful growth stage startup. They offer collaborative culture, supporting teamwork and mentorship. Their founders have a strong vision of building a product-led organization, and it's an opportunity to have a big impact on Lob's business and engineering culture. Lob is built using open API specifications for contract testing, generating documentation, and soon SDKs. Their API is written in a mix of JavaScript, Golang, and Elixir, and their customer-facing dashboards are built with Vue.js. If you're interested in joining Lob, check them out online at lob.com careers. Thank you so much to Lob for sponsoring APIs you won't hate. So Mike, what is it we're talking about today? Yeah, so I have heard from the grapevine that there's some uh, interesting shuffling and news going on in the world of, uh, I guess, Jason Schema and the OpenJS Foundation. You want to tell me a bit about that? Oh, yeah, they're getting all growed up. <laughs> so <laughs> both um, OpenAPI and Jason Schema have had very kind of different backgrounds. I mean, OpenAPI was kind of born out of um, out of SmartBear, a company that made a bunch of tools. They made something called Swagger as their own proprietary format and then spun it off into its own thing. And then the OpenAPI Foundation was born and, and kind of guided and steered by a whole committee of people. But it's all... It, it, a lot of it has been people just finding free time to work on stuff. And then like sometimes their jobs overlap with making open API better. So they spend a little bit of time working on it, right? That's how I got involved while I was working for Stoplight. I wanted to simplify things for, for Stoplight by by making open API and JSON schema kind of uh, integrate better. And so I worked on that and, and people just kind of come and go and push things forward a little bit. And then they kind of wander off and there's there's not been many people working on it full time 
But interestingly, over the last couple of months, year, time has flown, what year is it? Mm. Lots of people have started to actually work on OpenAPI full-time that weren't before. A lot of that seems to be coming from, from Postman. Like, everyone in the API industry is being hired by Postman. It's quite funny. So we had uh, Matthew Reinbold from a previous episode. He's joined Postman. And uh, Ben Hutton from Jason Schema. He joined Postman so he could work on Jason Schema full-time. Um, I didn't. I ended up joining OpenAPI <laughs> via the Linux Foundation, who kind of run, own the OpenAPI. So, yeah, there's there's a lot more people starting to, like, actually work on these things full, well, not full-time. I'm not working on it full-time. I'm part-time. But they're, it's interesting to see more and more people. And and what got me thinking about it was just seeing um, API Handyman, Arno. Um, he, he's also just joined uh, Postman over the last couple of weeks and he's going to be working on open api too as their um lead open api person at postman you know hopefully making their open api stuff better so it's a pretty yeah. interesting time to see what comes out of all that you know sure so so give me a sense of your impression i i, I want to say as an outsider but obviously it's something you're working on does it feel like these are sort of two groups teams factions whatever you want to think of them as are they working collaboratively at this point is it something that's got a little bit of a sense of, of uh, community or is there, is it uh, a contest between the two to sort of uh, head one <laughs> off at the pass? Yeah, I think um, perspective is interesting because there was a time when I was working at Stoplight, there was like potentially a bit of concern for me, which is, ah, Postman are stuck in the deck at OpenAPI. They're going to just, you know, make changes that suit them and, and everyone else has to deal with it. Ah, But thankfully that's not, that's just really not been the case. Um, I mean, I, at the moment, through my through my work at OpenAPI, I kind of coordinate with Kin Lane, who's obviously um, a postman as well. And he's he's kind of handling a lot of various marketing things and other things at OpenAPI. And he's the one that a lot of these people who've, you know, recently joined Postman, they they report to him. So he's kind of, kind of in control of both in, in certain ways. Um, but it is more about just facilitating what OpenAPI needs. I've not seen any, like weirdness like vendor specific stuff happening right so sure. some of the stuff i'm working on is just kind of writing about open api they've given me time to write some of those blog posts we put on apis you won't hate recently about you know using open api for contract testing and integrating it with your framework better and you know I'll, I'll, I'll do more of those articles about just how using open api can save you time and money and they're all good with that and they're working on really interesting things. Like we've had, they're trying to foster more community resources because at the moment, OpenAPI is, and Jason Schema, they both kind of struggle with documentation. You can go and read the spec if you want, and that's not very helpful to many people. Um, it might be useful for tooling vendors, but it's not very useful for the average person. And so both these projects now are getting to spend more time working on documentation and tutorials and, and blog posts about updates and just kind of, bringing the community in to see what's going on more and they're all running like open uh, open office hours and and you'll see i know doing um twitter spaces and none of it's like you know brought to you by postman it's not like in your face they just <laughs> these things are just happening and you don't even really see the logos in the way that much which is quite nice and also so we've got openapi.tools right which is like a, a fairly opinionated list powered by apis you won't hate it's a, uh, that me and um, matthew maintain it's um it's fairly opinionated and there's a few other lists out there and and so you kind of have to go to these different places to find a list of tools 
Um, and maybe something that I thought is rubbish and decided not to put on there for various reasons might actually work for you in your use case. Um, I try to be reasonable with the opinions, but I also try not to put every single tool in the world on there because there are so many things out there that are quite out of date, but maybe you want to work with an old version of OpenAPI, who knows? So they're making like a superset list. There'll be like an official OpenAPI list of tools that, that pulls in from these different data sources and they're kind of integrating with openapi.tools and with other stuff and, and pulling in those lists and then looking at GitHub to get extra information about like number of stars and number of open issues and like, uh, I don't know, last commit, whatever metadata it is they're looking at will then help people make decisions about what they think is good quality or, or, or maintained enough for them to look at or, you know, scary and abandoned or whatever. They can make their own choices instead of having the opinionated sure. list. So, all, all of those sorts of things, I think, are going to make OpenAPI seem a lot more like a community project instead of just like a random markdown specification on the internet somewhere and like a, a, a WordPress website somewhere that's not updated very often. It's going to make it seem more like a real thing with, with constant change and constant improvement because so many people are working on it more often now as their dedicated job, you know? Yeah, in in terms of actually building a community and and building something that can be functional across the industry and across multiple industries in this case, I think this is one of the steps that needs to happen is people need to work collaboratively uh, to open things up, right? Like it's it's a great thing that it doesn't say sponsored by Pepsi and all the different events, and it's really <laughs> nice that you know open office hours happen so that anyone in the world, no matter how big or small, has. Uh, some access to the folks who are the sort of tacit experts on this can 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 have a chat, can have some uh, access to that information. And that's really cool and definitely a very good thing to see. I'm reminded a little bit of something that's happened over the past couple of years with the, I guess the, I don't know, I don't want to use the term browser wars, but maybe that's the thing that people would know this by the most is, is with web browsers and sort of compatibility for uh, web APIs. Um, there's been a lot of shuffle around about where the engineers and uh, developers working on web stuff are in the world. Uh, and a lot of that really has to do with Mozilla going through some uh, rough times over the past couple of years where they had to lay off quite a bit of their uh, engineering staff. They so which sort of caused this like diaspora of Mozilla alumni who went and worked at companies like Apple on Safari and Google on Chrome and Edge and uh, Internet Explorer before it at Microsoft and uh, Brave and all these other browsers have people from from Mozilla and I think the result of that on one hand like it's not really great news for the browsers that Mozilla makes because they've had to downsize and sort of effectively defund a lot of their projects. But in the end, it's also caused people to have a lot more empathy for the experience of the devs who came from Mozilla to work on Chrome or whatever the case may be. And that's caused a lot more people to have a more well-rounded experience and a better understanding of what's going on sort of across the industry. So for better or worse, maybe there's some natural shuffle between companies that can create a really nice um, end result for the people consuming OpenAPI and JSON schema and, and working on all these tools because they understand each other better. Obviously, there are ways where this could cause trouble too, but it doesn't sound like it's going in that direction here. And I think it's it's really good to see that, you know, in a, in a world where we mostly work on open source things that are um, powered by open source projects and people who are willing to use their time for, for the, the better good in a lot of cases, it's nice to see it like, I don't know, working? Should I be knocking on wood as I say this? I feel like it's, it's going in a good direction here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think um, 
at first it, it could seem like it was kind of going to be a, a subtle acquihire, like, uh, you know, Postman is like buying Jason Schema, mm-hmm. but they have gone in the opposite direction. And so Jason Schema has just joined the um, OpenJS Foundation, um, which I wasn't too familiar with, but that turns out I'm an idiot. They are the people that own Node.js and jQuery and Webpack and Electron. And there's yeah. a lot of projects there, like just looking through the list, it's like ESLint and Fastify and Grunt are all kind of hosted there as a, as a, like a different level of project. But there's there's loads and loads of, of tools that, that have a, a home with the OpenJS Foundation. So it's um it's not like, you know, Postman's trying to gobble up a bunch of projects. They they are send, sending them off to, or helping them get to a good home so that they can kind of run more efficiently and then dedicating time of, you know, people like Ben Hutton, the lead um, author of, of Jason Schema of, of the last couple of years, um, dedicating his time to working on it once it's at that home. So it's very much not like a gobbling everything up kind of, kind of thing, which is really great to see because there's, there's been quite a few problems in the past with Jason Schema, like big gaps where, you know, an author will spend loads and loads and loads of time getting a new draft ready and then it will get a bunch of feedback and things will need to change and they're like, oh, I don't have time. And it changes to like a different author and then it can go in a bit of a different direction. And, you know, there's there's been a few changes of, of authors over time and that can just be really hard. But if it's... You know, and who's got the who's got the password to this, and whose credit card is that running on? <laughs> but if it's right. if it's hosted by something like the OpenJS Foundation, a lot of those concerns kind of go away, and it will live on with just with different contributors coming and going over time. You know? Yeah, it's it's a good step on the the path to open source nirvana. I'm happy to hear that this is this is happening for the folks involved here, and really cool to hear that the some of your time is being carved out to work on this. Is that something that um, I, I guess? I don't know if you're willing to share. I'm curious to, to hear how that sort of thing develops. Is that something that you solicited or that you were approached with? How, how do you um, come to that kind of an agreement? Yeah, they actually got in touch with me. I think I think as well as still at Stoplight, they were like, it's cool that you know, you're know you writing about OpenAPI. And I, I wasn't getting to write about as much stuff as I really wanted to because a lot of it had to be kind of whatever Stoplight wanted to sort of thing. Sure. So sure. they were just kind of like, hey, if we just you know throw you some money, you can write about you know, topics that you find interesting and kind of help us foster more community and make make more useful learning resources and make more articles and work on something like openapi.tools, but a bit more, you know, useful because it's me and Matthew curate the list, but, you know, that website could be a lot better if we had magic free time and money to work on it. So they just want help with a lot of that stuff. And, um, and it's, you know, pretty much a couple hours a week. It's not not a huge... Not a huge thing, but uh, yeah, it, it's nice to be able to help a little bit because it it helped me make the the jump to working pretty much full time on reforestation, knowing that there's like right. a little bit of work that I can do for a little bit of money to come in that is in my wheelhouse. You know, like it feels weird to have uh, acquired all of this really obscure knowledge about the inner and outer workings of Open API and JSON Schema and different API stuff. And then just be like, I plant trees now, bye. Uh, <laughs> and also seeing as the trees don't pay, it, it's good to have have <laughs> some money coming in as well. But yeah, it's great to still be involved in the community because I was getting some emails from people being like, man, it's a shame to see you're like leaving, leaving API world to go and save the planet. Like that sucks. I'm like, no, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm still working on API. It's just, you know, a lot more tree planting in tree planting season. And then I'll be doing a lot more open API and API stuff 
when it's not tree planting season. So it'll, it'll all balance out. I've got to entertain myself in the in the summer months somehow, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's one of the things that's a good reminder that's kind of counterintuitive even to me that like tree planting season is not when it's warm and beautiful out. Tree planting season is the the essentially the off season for warm weather because that's, <laughs> uh, you know, the best way to set these trees up. So yeah. like I often forget that during the wintertime you're you're off uh, in a field somewhere uh, dropping sprouts on the ground. Yeah, um, I it's, it's, would much rather be skiing. God damn. Um, yeah, it's it's really rubbish. <laughs> it's <laughs> I really miss. There's a lot of things I used to do in the winter. Like I used to go skiing all the time when I lived in New York because you can just like take a train to a place where you know you go up to Vermont and it's amazing. Yeah, I used to do a lot of whitewater kayaking, and and that's pretty much done in winter because that's when there's the most water around. And right. and now it's just like fighting off you know hypothermia and pneumonia planting sometimes through the snow or named storms we had a few like storms big enough that the met office kind of gave them stupid names and uh yeah we're just like literally getting blown sideways and some of we're there ready to plant trees but the truck's just gone actually no if i unload this if I unload these trees, I'm going to fall over. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're trying to plant the trees the best we can through all this terrible weather. And as soon as it gets nice, we basically have to stop. Um, at which point we can work on, you know, wildflower meadows and a bunch of other useful things. We'll get rid of, we'll, we'll go destroy some Himalayan balsam and other invasive plants that are, you know, ruining biodiversity. But yeah, tree planting is when it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A good reminder for, for those of us who are, uh, you know, enjoying our nice, cozy, hot cocoa by the fire, whatever the case may be. <laughs> Both my Wellingtons have holes in. I've, I, got, I got gifted these really fancy, I don't know if you know Barber, if that's a thing over there, but it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. You, you wear Barber if you're like, I'm a lord of the manor and I wander about in, you know, my big Range Rover. I got some I got some Barber wellies in three months of tree planting. They've just like got holes this, like you could put a finger through. I don't know what the hell. So I'm just there with like permanently wet, cold feet. Because the tape and super oh, glue, super glue keeps coming off. <laughs> yeah, wow. We're we're gonna have to get you some like vulcanized uh, epoxy resin or something like that to <laughs> exactly. seal those things off. Terrible. Wow. Oh uh, well. Yeah. Two weeks left. Two weeks, and then you can uh, go right off into the sunset for a few months. Yeah. Um, hey, I'm, I'm reminded of one other thing that uh, we talked about maybe in November, December about APIs you won't hate. That is sort of a uh, dovetails into what we were just talking about with uh, you writing for Open API. Uh, we would love to have folks write for us for APIs you won't hate. We, we have a small but modest sort of fund of uh, money that we would love to toss in your direction if you have experience building things with APIs. If you're interested in doing some research and writing up uh, a blog post on APIs, we have a GitHub project, which I will link in the uh, podcast notes here with some sort of seed ideas for articles about APIs that we'd love to host on the site. If you are someone who's interested in writing for us or interested in getting your name out on the internet and would like to have an article published on APIs you won't hate, we would love to have you do that. And, and even if your article idea doesn't necessarily uh, exist in our sort of list of preceded topics, let's chat about it. We're um, looking to expand kind of both the source of authors, the voices that we have uh, growing on the site, and the uh, wealth of knowledge that we share. And I think this is one, one way that we can uh, offer some a small amount of compensation to be able to do that. Yeah, some th there's a bunch of really cool stuff that I'd love to see. Like, here's how we use... Um, open API to handle contract testing in some language I've never heard of before. Cause I always talk about PHP and Ruby and node and stuff like that. So like go and, you know, an article we've written in the past that might be specific to a language, go and do that in a different language. Yeah. And, and we're trying to avoid like 
articles that are, hey, I have a company. You should use my company. My company likes money. Give us give us money. Because we've had a few of those pitches and that's not really the goal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, please do get involved. There's a really good um, post in draft uh, that I need to look at about using like serverless APIs. So like using cloud functions and all sorts of cool Lambda stuff to, to have an API, which I'm very interested in because I had to deploy my own API for the first time in a while and I just shoved it up on Heroku and it felt it felt oh, yeah. a bit 2016 or like 20 earlier. <laughs> sure. And it runs all the time. And, you know, our funding partners only pull in the trees that we've uploaded like once a month. And I'm like, I don't need to be running a server every month. So I would, I would be really interested to read this article and learn how to have a serverless thing that only exists when people call it. That would be really cool. Yeah. Only spend those electrons when you need them. Yeah. Save the planet, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I would love to see someone write an article that's more along the lines of, or maybe a series of articles that's like, Hey, I've heard about this APIs thing, but I don't know what it is. We, we, tend to jump into, I don't know, I'll call it 200, 300 level uh, articles where they're kind of like assuming you have some base understanding of what, I don't know, JSON schema is even to begin with. And maybe we just need to uh, get in APIs 101 where it's kind of like, this is what an HTTP verb is. This is what an HTTP request is. This is what it looks like in your browser and how these things are talking to each other and paint some of the really, really basics so that eventually we can have a whole sort of corpus of information that can get people from not knowing anything to uh, writing opinionated articles about deploying serverless functions using uh, <laughs> open API spec, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, the blog ended up kind of, it, the blog was just the continuation of the book, right? Like I wrote the book like almost a decade yeah. ago now. Um, and then there were a lot of kind of uh, uh, version 1.1 is, you know, the book plus this blog post and then plus this blog post and then plus that. And and over time, it's just kind of gone so far away from that. And and some of the things in, in the book are different now. Like there's new standards that solve a problem that I spent a thousand words trying to solve in the book. So it'd be amazing to, to just do like pagination. How do you do pagination? Right. Like, what are some pros and cons of using, you know, page equals one versus a cursor? And and where do you shove that? Do you put it in the query string or in the link header? There's so many things like that. Like take something simple, start off at the basic entry level and, and then walk, walk your way through to more advanced things. Anything like that, I would love it because I want more people to write stuff. APIs you won't hate isn't just where Phil rambles about APIs. It's a community now and, and y'all should get involved. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would also be interested in uh, doing translations of articles. If there's anyone out there who wants to, say, take an article and translate it into German or Polish or Japanese or whatever the case may be, I can't promise that I can read it uh, and verify <laughs> that what you've done makes sense. But uh, I can certainly figure out the um, the backend stuff required to be able to switch an article between languages and locales and stuff like that. And kind of anything we need to do to, to or anything we can do to serve a larger audience of people and be more helpful more generally, I'm I'm all for it. That would be fantastic. The um the DBAD license that I released has been translated into like 36 different languages, but then all of our articles are in English. So yeah, the, the DBAD license isn't very useful, but it's in like every language in the world. So yeah, let's let's try and get that done. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that sounds great. Well, so let me circle back on that then. If that's something you want to do, there will be a link in the notes for this uh, podcast episode to a project on GitHub that is writing for APIs you won't hate. Uh, you're welcome to comment on any of those articles to create a um, something within that project. If you want to suggest an article, uh, you can reach out to any of us on Twitter. You can reach out to the uh, APIs you won't hate Twitter account itself. Uh, we are here to listen. We're here to help. We also have a 
pretty uh, blossoming Slack community with lots of really interesting API folks in there. And we'd, we'd love to chat with you about this stuff there. Yeah, this is, we're, we're trying to grow a, a community resource here that benefits uh, all of us. And um, there's certainly a whole lot more information out there that's than, than the stuff that's stuck in my head and Matt's head and Phil's head. And so, you know, more voices is better voices here. Um, and um, like I said before, we also are able to pay for some, some amount of these articles and would love to pay you to get your writing up on the site. So with that being said, Phil, I think that might do us for this week. Was there anything else you wanted to chat about? Uh, that's it for now. I need to rush off and go plant more trees or something. <laughs> yes, that sounds like a plan. Well, uh, look out for the deep puddles, man. Try not to keep your feet too wet there. We want you to survive the winter. Yep. <laughs> Good to talk to you. See you next time. All right, mate. We'll, we'll catch you next time. See ya.